Hey guys, welcome back to the Horror You Know podcast. I'm Darren. I'm Trent. I am Ian. And we are minus Ian Wells again. He's still... Uh, Who is that guy? He's, I think he's in his basement with his doing, uh, little minions. He's doing some embalming, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Embal- <laughs> yeah. Is he embalming himself or actual people? Actual I feel people, like he, but he, the he difference is they're, they're still alive while he's doing it. <laughs> So this week, speaking of uh, speaking of minions, we're going to be talking about little Davy Berkowitz, son of Sam Killer. What do you guys think about that? Little you know, Davy Berkowitz. It's, a, it's an interesting story, so I'm ready to dive into it. This is this is where we dive. We just jump. Was that he us is the he is the uh, son of Sam Killer, dubbed by the newspapers. His original name was not Berkowitz; it was David Falco. I don't know why he got rid of Falco for Berkowitz. I'm sure it was his parents' fault, but Falco just sounds like a cooler name. I don't know if you guys think sounds that. Sounds like a Falco. Well. Falco. Sounds like a, if he would have kept Falco, he could have been an actual, like, instead of a serial killer, he could he would have been like a detective in NYPD. Yes. Hey, Detective David Falco. That does have, like, so, that 80s detective ring to it. It really it? does. Like, it, like right Columbo. after Barney Miller... So he was born Barney June first, <laughs> June first, nineteen fifty three, in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, he murdered six people in New York City between the years of nineteen seventy six and seventy seven, and his crimes plunged the city into like this all time fever pitch panic, and he unleashed one of the largest manhunts in the state of New York. Okay. Uh, David Berkowitz was brought up by adoptive parents in the Bronx. That's why he became a Berkowitz. Uh, he was traumatized by the death of his adoptive mother from cancer in 1967 and thereafter became more and more of a loner. In 1971, he joined the Army, serving just three years, where he distinguished himself as a talented marksman. So here comes that uh, gun fetish, fetishizing, you know, kind of part of the story. 1974, he returned to New York and worked as a security guard. So once again, going into a field that kind of fetishizes guns and the line between legality and non-legal things, I'm sure. Mm. So his mental condition at this time began to severely deteriorate. And in 1975, he was later diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. So we're talking, he was born in 53. His mom died in 67. So you're talking 14 years old. So at 18 is when he went to the army. So 14, she died. 18, four years later, he joins the army because he kind of didn't know what he was doing at that point in time. That was probably his high school years, it looks like. And apparently his dad, which he talked later on, his dad was pretty domineering. Uh, Anyway. Feeling isolated from the world around him, he became, became an arsonist and set hundreds of fires in and around New York City without being arrested. 
He began to hear voices of demons, quote unquote, that tormented him and told him to commit murder. On Christmas Eve, 1975, he gave into these so-called internal voices and severely wounded a 15-year-old Michelle Foreman with a hunting knife. Uh, he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, schizophrenia, but once again, going back to the show Mindhunter, I don't know if you remember the episode that the Son of Sam was in. Yes. They kind of called bullshit on that. You remember that? Yeah, and he folded pretty quick after they pressed it. Yeah. So I think a lot of it's come out, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, but a lot of it came out that some of that stuff was maybe partially real, but some of the stuff that he said afterwards was definitely made up just to make himself look better. So 1976, he moved into a two-family home in Yonkers, New York, which is a suburb uh, Berkowitz became convinced that the German shepherd that lived in the house and other neighborhood dogs were possessed by demons who ordered him to murder attractive young women. One, one of the neighborhood dogs was shot during this time, probably by Berkowitz himself, and he also began to see his neighbors as demons as well. In April, Berkowitz moved to an apartment house in Yonkers, not too far from his home, that he currently lived in, and his new home also had dogs. His neighbor, a guy named Sam Carr, I think, where is it at? Sam Carr uh, had a black lab retriever named Harvey, who Berkowitz believed pleaded with him to kill people. He also Sam Carr as a powerful demon and was referring to him when he was later or when he later called himself the son of Sam. Mm. So he actually referenced. Sam Carr and himself as the son of Sam later on. And he thought Carr was a demon apparently at the time. We'll talk about that later on July, 1976 Berkowitz quit his job as a security guard early the next morning. He walked up to a parked car in the Bronx where two young women were talking and fired five bullets from his 44 revolver into the vehicle. 18 year old Donna Loria was killed instantly and her friend Jody Valenti was wounded. Police could find no motives or leads in the shooting. So this is mid seventies, uh, right before our bicentennial New York was packed. And a lot of the suburbs were like, we think of suburbs now as being like these really nice places, but a lot of suburbs were run down at the time. Really? Uh, so he was kind of living in a rough area and so I don't know how common it was for 18 year olds to just sit in a car and like talk in New York city, but there was not a heavy police presence probably in this area. And these girls were pretty exposed, I'm sure. And he just saw an opportunity and took it right. Not like today, you'd probably have at least two or three cameras seeing him or his vehicle leaving the scene. I'm sure back then there was nothing. So you kind of had to either catch him in the act or somebody had to witness it. So in the early morning of October 24th, Berkowitz struck again, critically wounding 20-year-old Carl DeNaro as he sat in a car and talked to the female friend from Queens. A little more than a month later, on November 26th, 16-year-old Donna Damasi and 18-year-old Joanne Lamino were shot and seriously wounded in the street on their way home from a movie. On January 30th, 1977, Berkowitz fatally shot Christine Frund, 
as she sat in a car in Queens with her fiance. Police began to suspect that these crimes were perpetrated by a single killer, but few bullets were found intact to confirm their assumption. So, I mean, the, the MO was kind of the same. A few of the bullets they could figure out was 44s, but you know, the bullets, bullet fragments were so uh, few and far between or mangled. They couldn't really figure out for sure exactly what it was. On March 8th, 19-year-old college student Virginia Voskarichian was shot to death as she walked home in Manhattan. A bullet was actually found intact, and it matched the original bullet found at the scene of Berkowitz's first murder. The New York police announced that a serial killer was on the loose, known to be a white male in his 30s with black hair and average height and build. And they, they got that description by somebody that had saw a guy walking away from the scene after shots were heard in that area. A large group of detectives was organized, and they called it the Omega Task Force. They always come up with these bullshit, like big grandiose names. The Omega Task Force. So means, uh, yeah. for anyone who listened to us last week, you explained what a spree killer is. Now explain the difference of him being a serial killer this week because yes, please in, instead of him like on impulse in a short amount of time going out and killing uh random people willy-nilly like a spree killer would he was specifically targeting people in a certain way go ahead sorry i was gonna say that's specific scientific terminology too i believe willy-nilly is in the definition <laughs> That should be in the definition. If it's not, let's put it there. Now, would you say it was willy, more nilly or nilly? I'd say willy and nilly. I would. I would say equal parts willy and nilly. Chief, we've got another murder. Tell me, officer, was it willy nilly? <laughs> I'm afraid so, Chief. <laughs> Why did the so, chief call him officer? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sir, it was Willie, not so much Nelly. There's <laughs> <laughs> the Willie killer. So, so is there more of a pattern associated with it too? You think there is a pattern? So, so they were all like, in cars all at night, you know? Yeah. So a serial killer usually has like an not only an mo, but they also have like times of the night or or like ramp up periods stuff like that to where they get excited about doing it. Uh, a spree killer just does it until they can't do it anymore. And to me, honestly, I don't know which more I'm scared of because serial killers might be lurking in your bushes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, a spree yeah. killer, watching, I would feel like more methodical. Like, they're on a the, killing methodical. spree. They, they're, not, they're not worried about getting caught. They're just like exactly. going, spree, going Spree killers spree. might go for a while uh, and until they're caught. It's almost like I they, feel like they know the street. I feel like to me, a serial killer would be creepier because there's more of that paranoia and fear. Like a, a killing spree obviously could happen at any moment, but then it's usually, I don't want to say it's just over with after that, but you know what I mean? Like if you know there's a serial killer that struck near you, I feel like there's more fear and paranoia around yeah. you. So to so, me, I, I mean, think that would be creepier personally. I, I have an idea for Wells. So when Wells stalks the night and starts murdering all the people that we know he's going to murder, I think, and I, you guys know him like I do by now, this kind of fits his M.O. 
after he kills somebody, he leaves a bowl of like frosted flakes or like fruit lubes at the site, right? So he's the serial killer. He's literally <laughs> the serial killer. I think that would have been done by now. You think you would think would capitalized on you that. You would think, but he's he's copywriting it right now. <laughs> as as he's getting the munchies, he'll eat all the cereal. He wouldn't even like everything <laughs> to spread around. Yes. He'd be like, it oh wouldn't... fuck, I just ate all those Cheerios. Damn, those are my last ones. Damn it. Now they're never okay. gonna know. So this Omega Task Force, this is funny. Uh on April 17th, the Mega Task Force apparently. Omega this is task not the force. Alpha. This is not the Alpha yet. It's the <laughs> it's Omega. Ridiculous. Go ahead. Just second, second tier task force here. <laughs> On April 17th, 18-year-old Valentia Suriani and 20-year-old Alexander Asal were shot and killed by the same gun as they kissed in their parked car near the Hutchinson River Parkway. This time, the 44 caliber killer left a note in which he referred to himself as the son of Sam. Now. This is where it's serial killer as opposed to spree killer. Spree killers aren't going to take the time to think about shit like that. They just go in, kill somebody, rob them, go to the next town, kill a few people, rob them, whatever. They might even rape. You know, they can do all kinds of stuff. They might even mutilate a body. But it's going to be not planned out. This dude wrote a note out, is going around looking for places that he knows people are kind of parking and either kissing, having sex, hanging out, talking, whatever. And then he's killing them with this same gun. And he's now referring to himself as son of Sam. Why? Because he wants celebrity, right? Cause he already knows they're looking for him. They calling him the 44 caliber killer. Right. And, and I don't know if he thought of himself as being called the son of Sam, but it's kind of convenient that he's coming up with this, cool almost satanic sounding name you know son of mm-hmm. sam i don't know it's just weird <laughs> no I, I see i see what you're saying like he's just like yeah call me the son of sam and it just seems like it'd be a cooler like backstory but it's just like a neighbor named sam Carr that had a dog <laughs> anyway okay so april 29th berkowitz shot sam Carr's labrador tr- retriever He had previously sent an anonymous threatening letter to Mr. Carr concerning the animal, which is funny because if you watch the movie, he's always yelling out the window to shut that fucking dog up, right? And the guy's just looking at him. So I'm thinking this random letter was probably not too anonymous because the guy probably knew exactly who sent it, I'm sure. (laughs) The dog recovered and the Yonkers police began an investigation. Meanwhile, Berkowitz began sending bizarre letters to other neighbors and his former landlords. These individuals began to suspect Berkowitz to be the son of Sam or reported their suspicions to the local police. Now, here's where it gets interesting. The Omega Task Force was subsequently notified, but the detectives had received thousands of reports of son of Sam suspects and were having a difficult time sifting through all the dead-end leads. Therefore, what do you think happened? What do you think happened, guys? Sorry, I walked over to grab a bag of Sour Patch Kids. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I'm going to be Caught 100% honest ass. with you. They, they didn't take the the report seriously from his neighbors, so they just kind of filed it under bullshit and went on. So this is another example of these great detectives 
the Omega not being able to catch a fucking what's right in front of it. It seems like this happens over and over. These serial killers, if one or two things just happened and people open their eyes just slightly, and I know we're saying this in hindsight, but I mean, you got all kinds of people and a guy named Sam Carr who gets his dog shot and a, a guy that's possibly accused of killing the dog or trying to kill the dog and threatening his neighbors with all these other You'd think they would take that a little bit seriously and at least look at it and then maybe make the connection. Hey, Sam, son of Sam. I don't know. That's what I was just thinking. I was like, so if he kills his neighbor's dog. So first of all, when when he killed Sam's dog, does Sam report this? Like, does Sam know that he killed him? Well, I think he turned him in as a possible suspect because he was always yelling at him to shut the dog up and everything and didn't like the dog. And then him sending threatening notes to his neighbors. I think, I mean, I'm sure like if it went to the same precinct in their area, surely they would get the hint that, hey, there's some fucking crackpot over here. Let's go check him out. But they really never checked him out. Right. Writing threatening neighbors, writing threatening letters to his neighbors. Dear Catherine, tonight I'm going to fucking kill you. Uh, This guy seems clean. In the middle of a panic about a guy named Son of Sam, you'd think they'd be like, oh, man, maybe we need to check every available lead that seems credible with multiple witnesses out, you know, not just some guy saying, hey, my brother-in-law looks like him. I don't know. A little little suspicious. So on June 26th, the Son of Sam struck again, wounding Judy Placido and Sal Lupo as they sat in their car leaving a Queens disco. Huh, where have we seen that at? Public public concern over the the uh, rampaging serial killer grew to panic proportions as New York nightclubs, restaurants, and other nightlife saw a dramatic drop in business. Couple that with a blistering heat wave and a 25-hour blackout in mid-July only increased the tension across the city. On July 31st, just two days after the anniversary of his first killing, Berkowitz shot a couple kissing in a parked car in Brooklyn. 20-year-old Stacy Moskowitz was fatally wounded, and her boyfriend, Bobby Violanti, lost his left eye and nearly all of the vision in his right eye. A few days later, a major break in the case came when an eyewitness came forward to report that she had seen a man who looked like a, uh, the gunman minutes before the shots were fired in Brooklyn. Her information led the police... Uh, the first police sketch of Berkowitz. More importantly, she reminded investigators that two police officers have been writing parking tickets on her street that night. A search of the tickets issued eventually turned up Berkowitz's car. At the same time, Yonkers police finally investigated after he escalated a harassment campaign against one of his neighbors, uh, on Berkowitz, convinced he was the son of Sam, they informed the Omega Task Force of their findings again. The Omega detectives finally put two and two together, and on August 10th, David Berkowitz was arrested while leaving his Yonkers home. He gleefully admitted to being the son of Sam. On his person was a semi-automatic rifle, and he explained that he was on his way to commit an, yet another murder. The 44 caliber revolver was also recovered in, in his car. There was some hey, where are you going with that whether... revolver? Hey, hey, I killed all those people. 
But Wait, what's what? funny is like, <laughs> once again, this is like months earlier, they were like complaining about him, the same people. <laughs> and then the only way they actually got him, this Omega, quote unquote, Omega task force got him because they were writing parking tickets in that street and his car just happened to get a ticket. Like that's yeah. the only way they caught him was a parking ticket. So you can't park here. We're going to have to write you a ticket. Yeah, I killed all those people. <laughs> Gleefully. It's just so dumb. So there was some question about whether he was mentally fit to stand trial, but because uh, he claimed that uh, he was insane. Um, on May 8th, 1978, he withdrew his insanity defense finally and pleaded guilty to all six murders. In fact, he appeared to enjoy the immediate attention his case was receiving, and he proceeded to immediately try to sell his exclusive story rights to a publishing house. That prompted the New York State and then the federal to adopt the first in a nationwide series of so-called Son of Sam laws that takes uh, that doesn't allow you to take proceeds on a criminal capital case. So anything that a criminal earns from selling their story has to be given to the victims as compensation. Well, that's cool. So there is an actual on the books now nationally son of Sam law to where like, let's say you are a serial killer, write a memoirs, all of your money has to go back to the victims. So that's kind of interesting. That's that's actually a good law. I like it. That. It is actually a good law. But it also kind of encourages people to write books after they kill people. So it still doesn't take away their fame. I think they ought to make a law to where they're not allowed to publish anything. I don't know. Well, That's just me. Yeah. But at least the people are getting money, I guess. I don't know. So uh, Berkowitz was given six 25 to life sentences for the crime, the maximum penalty allowed at the time. And he has since been denied parole multiple times. He is currently held at the Shawagunk, Shawagunk Correctional, <laughs> F- Correctional Facility in upstate New York. Shawagunk. Where he allegedly has confer- converted to Christianity and preaches to other prison mates. Wow. So there was a... Going, going back to this media kind of thing we were talking about last week with uh with our episode we did last week on uh natural born killers the first indication of the new york post new direction uh came in 1977 after the new york city blackout resulted in a wave of looting and arson using his innate ability to know when when to scare people and when scare scared people can be exploited Rupert Murdoch, you guys heard this guy's name before? Guy that runs yes. Fox? Okay. Rupert Murdoch hmm. ran a blackout special edition of the paper that displayed all sensationalism and race baiting for which he is now an icon in America. So this dude is basically infamous for just creating the clickbait type of mentality by using sensational stories, bullshit, theories and race baiting instead of real news. And that all started from this blackout and the son of Sam stuff. So we could kind of blame son of Sam in that whole summer on how fucked up the media and entertainment and all these tabloids. And it's not even tabloids anymore. It's like actual news, CNN and Fox and everything. They just, they go after so these Sam crazy son of stories. Sam is indirectly responsible for natural born killers. Exactly. 
Exactly. Ooh. So that's where it all ties in. There you go. So in starting a modern tabloid war, Rupert Murdoch's New York Post reshaped the entire narrative of the killings. Sure, Berkowitz was a scary and unknowable threat, but he wasn't wildly prolific when placed in the pantheon of 20th century serial killers. What Murdoch understood inherently is that fear sells papers. Both the Daily News and the New York Post moved millions of copies the, the immediate day after Berkowitz was caught, far above any of their previous daily averages. Somehow the tabloids had managed to get ahead of more staid uh, journalistic institutions, not only capitalizing on the Son of Sam murders, but actually becoming a part of the narrative by communicating sometimes directly with this serial killer. Murdoch reinvigorated the kind of yellow journalism that has been seen in American media for the last two or three generations since. And starting a, where are we at? Before the Son of Sam, local crime stories were relegated to beat reporters at serious newspapers and went largely ignored by national outlets and TV. But tabloid strategy caught on after this case, and tabloids have always tended to highlight one particular story, especially a hot story like that. Television didn't used to be like that so much, said Walter Cronkite. Uh, so what's interesting is this story kind of kicked that off. And then we see that now instead of the news. I mean, that's all you see now, really. I mean, how do, how do you really know what news is anymore? You know, that's true. Like everything, everything's clickbait. Everything's like an opinion or an opinion piece passed off as real. Yeah, or everyone's in such a rush to break a story first that they don't always worry about like facts until yeah. later. Well, they'll do they something in the headline the first. To- yeah, draw you in and yeah, and and that's led to the media mogul, cable news, and internet shows that just dominate now, really. And even even you're getting people that have absolutely no background in history, journalism, or media whatsoever that are becoming like superstars on the internet, you know, and they're basically just opinion based. And they have millions and millions of fans that watch them more than people watch any news show. So, I mean, really, what is news now? It's crazy. What is news? What is news? I don't know. This son of a bitch kind of started it all. He really did. Yeah. I just think it's kind of funny, like like you said, how he, uh, he claimed, like, oh, it was, the, it, it was basically like the devil made me do it type thing. Um, it was just like, oh yeah, I was told to do this and and it wasn't my fault. It was my neighbor's dog. It was a demon talking to me through that. And then they're like, Hey, come on. No, that's bullshit. Right. He's like, yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a pretty big dog lover. I feel like if a dog told me to do something, I would, I would maybe do it. You got, go out and shoot couples. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Kill my family. Oh, okay. I'd be so... <laughs> I'd be Go so taken you, aback that a dog talked to me. I'd just be like, that dog just fucking talk? Well, that's probably do what it says, right? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I got on Son of Sam. Uh, I mean, he was Good. a minor Can we talk character about this fucking minor. movie? <laughs> Let's talk about it. I'm ready. Oh, my God. Sp- so, let me start Spike with. Spike Lee joint. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big Spike Lee fan in general. I don't know how you guys feel about Spike Lee. Are you kind of iffy about him? Are you racist, Ian? I'm not racist unless it's against Spike Lee. Are you heightest? 
I don't even don't know like what that people. means. Yes. <laughs> He's a short guy? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. He's a very short man. I think I like fan. Spike Lee about as much as Reggie Miller does. <laughs> truth. Truth. Like, we as Hoosiers have to hate Spike Lee. I just, like... Hey, I Reggie don't, put I don't, him in his place that night. That's right. I don't... I'm not a... Um, I'm not a Spike Lee hater as a person. Like I don't, I don't know anything about him. I've just never really been a fan of his movies. Personally, I think they're all pretty much the same. It's just over the top, like gratuitous sex scenes constantly. And it's like I don't care that there's sex scenes, but like sometimes, like they're just there. Like they don't have a, they don't serve a purpose. So it's just like it doesn't speak for yourself, you prude. It doesn't do anything for now. the story. <laughs> but yeah, I just. I mean, we can all we can all admit, like we we all love some John John Leguizamo, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. a fan. He was terrible uh, in this movie, not as an actor, but just like his character, just like the whole time. Like, agreed. I feel like everybody was rooting douche. for him to be killed. Yeah, he I mean, how did how did he douche. take a sweetheart like fucking? Oh, Mira Sorvino. Yeah, Sorvino. how did he take her and, like put her in the back seat and fuck all those other girls and? She was she was like a sweetheart, and then he tricked her into doing that threesome, and then he like kind of. got mad at her. Like they tricked her into yeah. a threesome, and he looks at her like you you slut. <laughs> you liked it, didn't you? you didn't whore. you? Whore. How come he's always an angry little guy with no shirt on and like skivvies underwear in every other movie? You <laughs> knows that, or is that just me? Yes. So he's just Good so point. angry when he takes his shirt off and does his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> You don't do the same thing? No. <laughs> Anytime Means gets in an argument, it's straight to the underwear. You know that. <laughs> Fuck like that. It's straight, straight to nudity. <laughs> I go straight to my birthday suit. It's, the, it's, it's like the Randy Marsh of, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of our podcast. <laughs> I watched oh, too many sorry. of those videos where people are like, you want to fight? And then they pull their pants off and nobody's going to fight a <laughs> naked guy. The only naked fight I've ever seen was uh, that one movie where once his name was that Russian uh, the guy from Two Towers Rocky? and no, the guy from what? Vigo Vigo Mortensen. Oh, yes. Acts of Violence. The Bathhouse. Yeah, what was that movie? Where he was Eastern what? Promises. Yeah, awesome Eastern movie. Promises. That's the he only was naked like, in that bathhouse. That's the only naked fight scene I've ever seen in my life. And I tell you what, you're not going to see many people fight a naked guy. So. There's a little tip for you, my friends out there. Get butt naked. You won't ever have to fight. Just the tip. <laughs> just the tip. <laughs> just just a little, just the tip for you guys. But yeah, I mean, I wasn't alone, right? Like, you guys were annoyed with uh, Vinny throughout the movie. His yeah, character was, a- was annoying. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was I was going to agree. Yeah, he was, he was a douche. He was annoying. The... Cool character was uh, Adrian Brody's character, Richie. He was the one that I actually liked. You liked Richie, huh? Even even though he was a punk rock prostitute, you like that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what else to. I don't know how. It's pretty pretty <laughs> weird. Slice that. Um, you got to make a living somehow. Well, he kind of like you could tell he was wanting to get out of his environment. Yeah. And uh, he brought that girl with him, but then like. Once they found out, all the people found out that he was actually in that. He was scared to death that his homeboys was going to find out because he didn't want to get in trouble. And that just kind of led to the the big beating at the end where he got his ass kicked. Although I did think it was kind of funny that they were so adamant about 
following this case and like finding out like who the son of Sam was and who he was going after. But nobody, not one of them knew that he had already been caught. <laughs> They're just kicking the shit out of him. It's him. It's him. It's him. He's already been caught. <laughs> well, that's oh. also like the times too, though. Like there were three news channels probably. And I doubt if any of those dudes back during that time would have been inside watching the news. Yeah. But I'm saying like they knew everything else about the case. Like they had, they had watched all of it like up until that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was just like, all of a sudden they don't care. Like I get that that's supposed to be their characters. They're just, and like, they already I, knew at that point it was Richie and they, uh, they were so annoying because, like, at one one moment they'd be like friends with everybody and they'd be cool, and then they'd be a total dick to that person. Like that one little squirrely guy that hangs out with them that was down there, like trying to sell drugs down by the drugs. docks or whatever. Yeah, and they made fun of him, and and they're really shitty to him. And then all of a sudden he's just standing in the group, like talking shit to other people. I'm like, well, what the fuck is this dude doing? <laughs> he brought like half dead lobsters. He's like, oh, they're good lobsters. Yeah. Like these are fucking dead. They're fucking dead. Yeah. So that was, yeah. that was I, some uh, of my beefs with it, and how horrible Vinny was to uh, his girlfriend, who was such an angel in that movie. That I was agree. about her I, hottest. True. Uh, Do what? Yes. That was about her hottest of all time. Like that and Mary and Romeo and Michelle. High school reunion. Yeah, those days. She was a, she was a, a cute, cute lady. <laughs> Paul Sorvino, you did well, buddy. You did well. Just yeah. saying. Respect. Paul Sorvino, local listener, maybe yeah. part-time local listener. Part-time maybe. Local maybe, we'll, listener. maybe we'll text uh, Dee Dee and say, "Hey, we mentioned you and your husband in our podcast, and they'll listen to it." And her hot daughter, or is it her daughter? It's not Probably her not. daughter. Uh, Most actors don't she, usually stay with mom. one woman. Yeah, I'm oh, sure she'll it. love the things that you said about I, her. I was going to say, now that you've uh, <laughs> just dogged them all. <laughs> well, sure was it you guys see. I was talking to and somebody was talking about Mira Savino and they were like, yeah, but have you seen her lately? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I'd still do <laughs> that it. That was me. <laughs> I'd still do it. I, yeah, she's Trent not said mad. That. I, I think she's still good looking. She's still. Too. She is like 60 or almost 60, so. Or maybe she's in her fifties. I don't know, but yeah, she's still a good looking. Lady. Bro, looks, you're talking to me. Age. I am, fi- I am fifty soon. Shut up! You're making me feel old. I'm fifty. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, the she's question wasn't would you do her, Trent? It's is she hot? Respect the game, Jim. Didi, <laughs> Didi, uh, Paul's current wife. Didi is a very wonderful lady. She's a good looking lady. She has her own podcast. We hope your podcast does well. We'd love to have you at our podcast or our film festival one day. Paul, we love you. Great actor. Great all-time actor. Your daughter is very beautiful, and she's a good actress as well. So there you go. And she didn't deserve Vinny, or he didn't deserve her. He did not deserve her. Screw F that guy. F that guy. F that guy. (laughs) That guy's a pest. Fuck anymore. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Fuck that there you guy. Go. Vinny yeah. was so, a pest. Did you, did you guys see the, the pest? Movie. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. I used to love that movie. Oh, gosh. I've said, I've mentioned that like three times now. I didn't know if you guys were ever going to hear it. I hated that movie. The <laughs> pest. Oh, I definitely couldn't watch it now, I don't think. But 
Back to the movie. I'm sorry. Is there anything you liked about the movie? Anybody? Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't like the way that uh, the son of Sam Killer was portrayed. Yeah, he was like an afterthought. You talking about George Babyface Nelson? <laughs> My name George. is George Nelson, not Babyface. <laughs> yeah, he hates cows. <laughs> I uh, I didn't understand that whole thing. I was just like, the sun. This movie is called Summer of Sam, and I get like it's supposed to be like from the perspective of like all the people who he kind of terrorized without like you know personally doing it. But at the same time, it's like, come on. There's like hardly. Well, let me any dip s- back into my not to sorry to interrupt you there, but let me dip into my trivia and give maybe a reason for that. According to IMDb trivia, Spike Lee actually faced a lot of negative feedback from the victim's family members because they thought the film was going to glorify the killer. And so as a result of that, the script was changed to focus more on the community rather than the killer himself. So, And see, I think that's, and, a, that's a cop-out, though, because yeah, I understand you, you know if you're, you're a gonna family face of that. victims. Yeah, you know you're going to face that criticism when you first bring yeah. this up. So why would you be like, oh, they actually... They actually are mad about it. I probably shouldn't do this. They I agree shouldn't. it's kind of a cop At that point, just don't I, do the movie. Yeah, I, mean, I agree that I, it would have made a better movie to focus on the killer, but I also thought it was a neat angle to kind of focus on the killer in the background and just the paranoia of him that summer and what it did to that community. I mean, I thought that was neat too, but I agree. I do think the movie would have been better with some more actual uh, Son of Sam in it. So I'm kind of coming from both sides, I guess. Well, I just felt like it was less about the paranoia. I mean, it was about the paranoia. I mean, you've talked about this. It was about the paranoia of of how the community reacts and how New York City reacted during that time, right? But it was yeah. also like, to me, it was like too much of a Spike Lee, let's show what the 70s was like and let's show what discos was like and let's show what hair salons were like and let's what show what... There was- Itali- Italian dudes that were kind of racist were like, and I mean, it, there was definitely a lot of unnecessary stuff in it. I thought the movie could have been a good shit. thirty or forty minutes shorter because it was kind of a yeah. long movie. It was just and too much stupid shit that didn't even like a twenty-minute scene of them. It wasn't even that long, but it was it seemed like that long of them looting during the blackout and fucking Spike Lee doing his bad acting job that he always does right in the <laughs> middle of everything and just that. <laughs> annoyed me and that's got some trivia in there too uh evander holyfield i was telling you this when i was watching it last time i was like was that evander holyfield evander holyfield is yeah. in that looting scene and he's carrying the tv for no reason <laughs> whatsoever awesome. he has no line <laughs> it's evander holyfield he didn't even know they were filming on set that day he just saw yeah, his window broken and just, <laughs> he just he just brought a big puffy afro wig and he's like ha hey, is this a film i'm gonna get in this I don't know. It's just it was too much of a film that like too much of a the storyline, the side storylines of their their sexual escapades and him being this little sex pot, and then the other story of his best friend being a punk rocker and trying to get out, and it just none of it really gelled together as a story, and it was a fake story at that. So you think they could have written a story that gelled together? I don't know. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of this movie. What's that one I like? I like that one where the bank robber heist, Spike Lee uh, did. The inside job. 
Inside Man. Yeah. Inside Man. That's about the only. Same. I like that one. And I think School Days was all right, but it was a little like preachy. Do the Right Thing was all right, but I think everything he did after Do the Right Thing was just like Do the Right Thing. So. Yeah. Like he got know. game. I'm not a big fan. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I, I love, I've never I been love Ray Allen, thing. but he can't act. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, you talking about Jesus? Yeah, he, Jesus Shuttlesworth. Jesus Shuttlesworth. That son of a bitch can't act. He sure can shoot. Oh, actually, wait a minute. I forgot. He did that. Didn't he do Black Klansman? Yeah, I actually yeah, like that, that actually movie. Good. I actually yeah, like that, that movie. Really I forgot he I did that one. Seen that one yet? You should, man. It actually is good. It looked so, interesting. I remember seeing a lot of trailers and stuff for it. I thought he's it was, one of the rare that. directors, though, that is like super famous. That's very spotty on his resume to me like usually when there's a, a director that has a lot of fame for his movies and his style i like multiple movies from him and he is kind of like i like less than half of his movies i would say yeah i don't know he's weird yeah i'm kind of there with you on this one i didn't like hate it i thought it was an enjoyable watch would i want to go back and watch it again though probably not didn't didn't dislike it but didn't overly like it either when I picked it out, I picked it out because it was one of the more famous Son of Sam type movies that actually had yeah. a budget. So that's the reason I picked it out, even though it wasn't about Son of Sam that much. But the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is a good movie. And then I watched it again for this podcast. I was like, that really is not that good of a movie. <laughs> so yeah. that that was the first time I was surprised on this podcast about my choice. Like, even with the Pine Barrens movie, the Barrens one about the New Jersey devil shit. Oh, yeah. I, I knew that was going to be a shit movie from the get-go. Yeah. But this one, I thought, no, oh, I liked it the first time. Then I watched it again. I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? It's not that good of a movie. <laughs> but he's Ugh. a famous serial killer that we got to discuss on this podcast. Truth. So, there you go. Well, mm. I have nothing else. You guys have anything else? No, like I said, I, I think like most of my conversation about this would be the fact that um, I, I like the interpretation of David Berkowitz on uh, the Mindhunters show. I feel like we mentioned Mindhunters a lot, and I agree with you. They need to go ahead and bring back that uh, that show for the season three because they've been setting up that uh, BTK killer for a while. So, you know, and Netflix knows that it has a fan base. It's got yes. a pretty, pretty significant fan base. Why are they not pulling the trigger on this? I don't understand it. Yeah, I, I don't either. I, I don't know what, what would be holding them up. Were they kind of even like shocked the actors because they didn't know they were cut, shutting them off? Well, so yeah, like after, I don't know. Yeah, after season one, like it took forever for them to even announce that they were doing a season two. And by the time they did it, like they had already started production. I was like, oh, thank God. Like, I didn't think they were going to do a season two. And now they're doing that thing again. I'm like, oh, come on now. I think that would just sell the rights to some other studio. Yeah, you shouldn't have built this up so much if you didn't know if you were going to be able to release that final product. So that kind of bothered me. Well, they, they're trying to blame David Fincher or whatever, you know, about it. But like... <laughs> You're Netflix, dude. I mean, you've got a history of being uneven with your series. Right. You've got a long history of, like, disappointing fans. Right. I don't know. Fuck them. Fuck that guy. Fuck that <laughs> guy. Whoever, 
Whoever runs that company, fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck that guy, indeed. It's catching on. That's going to be our Patreon. If you guys don't know, you will. We're going to do a little Wednesday episode every now and then called Fuck That Guy. <laughs> all right, that's all I've got. Uh, we didn't do a star rating last week, so do you want to do one this week? Not even worry about it. We all kind of just rating? said what we thought. Yeah, we're very uneven on our ratings. We do it when we feel like it, okay? Deal with it, audience. I was going to say, I don't, I don't think <laughs> we rated the last movie either. Well, that's fine. We'll... I'll I'll give this one Summer Sam. I'll give it a hmm, five point five, six. I don't know, somewhere in that range. Legit. Hmm. I will give Summer of Sam about a four and a half. Ooh, That's okay. so funny. I want to give this a four and a half. All right. It's not quite five. I gave it a six for the acting. The story was definitely four. All right. Well, that's that's what we got, and that's all we got. So we're out of here. Yeah. Fuck that. Wait. Out. You got to plug. You got to plug the oh. film fest again. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. We're plugging the film nobody fest. listened last week. Once again, if you haven't heard, we are the horror you know podcast is kind of co-sponsoring a film festival. It's a horror film festival in our hometown of Madison, Indiana. And it's at the Ohio Theater on October 20th and 21st of this year. Um, It's going to be an international film festival full of amateur and low budget and no budget and (laughs) medium budget features. Uh, I think that one feature said they put about $250,000 into it, something like that. So we've got... I mean, it's not million dollar blockbusters, but uh, it's going to be cool. I don't know what else to say. Like, it's coming up. Check our social medias. It's called the Horror at the Ohio, right? Horror at the Ohio. Yep. Horror at the Ohio. You guys say they're going to be whores at the Ohio. It's very, it's very confusing. We're we're from Indiana, but there's a theater called the Ohio Theater. So horror at the Ohio Theater. It's because yeah. it's on the Ohio River, which runs through between Ohio and Indiana and Kentucky and everything. So yeah, um, it kind of a, it's kind of to help out that theater. It's an old historic theater that started out as a Nickelodeon and uh, went through some changes and. Throughout the 80s and 90s, it kind of changed again. Then it changed hands. Then it caught on fire, and now it's back. So we're trying to help them out and help ourselves out with our podcast and kind of get our names out there. So we've had over, in just a few weeks, 500 submissions so far. I'm sure there's well over 500 now as we speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we have to go through all those, and there's going to be a lot more, I'm sure. And they come from, I think, what was it, 37, 38 different countries already have yeah, submitted. And I'm liking a lot of them. Some of them are pieces of shit. Sorry, but they are. <laughs> uh, some of them are coming from countries that I really don't like their uh, treatment of women and homosexuals or L- LGBTQ plus community. And fuck that guy. <laughs> So you're disqualified automatically. I'm not disqualified. I'm I'm watching them, but it it still pisses me off that they have some movies from those countries. You know, we say that on our high horse over here in America, and we're not much better. So true. Yeah, I mean, but we don't have 
We don't have women as second class citizens. Actually, we do sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> Give them time. Give them time. There's a lot of shit going on right now that could be said about that. But anyway, so check our uh, Horror at the Ohio Film Festival out. Maybe you guys will show up. We will definitely be there. You can meet us in person. Uh, maybe we could sign some autographs. I know we're going to have a merch table for our uh, horror, horror You Know podcast, and we're going to be selling some crazy shit and some DVDs of Gnawbone and I'm going to sell some masks and some bloody hearts and fingers and all that shit that I make. So Trent, Trent might sell some <laughs> Everything he's artwork. ever talked about on this podcast, he will have available. We will have selling. <laughs> Maybe I'll have nipple belts by then. You could come buy a nipple belt. <laughs> oh, about time. That's the Ed Gein podcast. I'll make a nipple belt just for our thing. So <laughs> Now Wells can actually wear his in public and not feel weird about it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> His authentic one. So that that's what we got coming in October. Check out all of our socials on that and like and subscribe for this podcast and tell your friends because we need a big audience. Right now it's growing and I would love to see it continue to grow until we have a good standing army. So by then we'll name you. You'll have a cool name. Our standing army. What What could be the name of our army if we had an army of followers? Our horrorites. Horrorites? That's hard to say. Yeah, it is. Just call them our horror whores. That's even harder. We just call them our whores. Our whores? Just our whores. Yep. Our, stand, our standing the army whores. of whores. Yeah, there you go. The whores you know. All right. This has been the Horror You Know podcast. I'm Darren. I'm Trent. I am Ian. Stay spooky. It's kind of awkwardly silent at the end there. <laughs> like Our intro was awkward. So, does anybody else have nightmares about John Leguizamo like biting them? Because he looks like he's got sharp so teeth and would bite the, the fuck out of you. <laughs> or is that just me? You know I've actually had a nightmare.